Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Coe. Welcome to Healing the Spirit and welcome to this week's contemplation. So in this episode, I'm going to be sharing with you some of my contemplations for the week of uh, June 5th, um, 2023. And so if you happen to uh, have stumbled upon this episode outside of that week, my invitation is for you to consider that maybe there is something here for you, even though the astrology of what I'm sharing here may not be currently going on in the sky. And also, um, I would invite you to really tune inwards, to really feel into your own knowing as you are listening to what I'm sharing here, as you are making space and making time and allowing your thoughts and energy to consider the... Um, astrology and the energy of the week ahead, allow whatever is coming up for you to be the primary thing that you pay attention to. So even though I'm sharing something, you might find that as you're listening to me, something pops up within you, maybe a sensation in your body, or maybe a knowing intuitively, or maybe an emotion arises, and I want you to really focus on that. Okay, so let's start with... uh, rundown of the astrology of the coming week. On Monday, the 5th, Venus will ingress into the sign of Leo, and then Venus will oppose Pluto, which is currently retrograde in Aquarius. And on Thursday, the 8th, Venus will square the nodes, which are currently in the early degrees of Taurus Scorpio. And then on Friday, the 9th, Mercury in Taurus will sextile Neptune in Pisces. And on Sunday, the 11th, Pluto, which is currently retrograde, as I mentioned, will re-enter Capricorn after having been in Aquarius for the past couple months. Sunday is a busy day. We also have Mercury, which is currently in Taurus, trining Pluto in uh, Capricorn. And then Mercury will enter Gemini pretty quickly after that. And then Venus in Leo will square Jupiter and Taurus. So we have the two benefics squaring one another. And so the first thing that came up for me as I was considering the astrological soup that we find ourselves in for the coming week is this idea of loving the creative inner child. And regardless of whether we as an adult identify with being an artist or not, each and every one of us really have this inner child. And this creative inner child is tends to be the child that got into trouble when we were a kid, right? This was the child that made a mess because creativity is inherently messy, right? I remember for me personally, 
This was the part of me that got into trouble because I couldn't sit still in a classroom. This was the part of me that got into trouble because I was coloring my dad's new car with crayons. This was the part of me that got into trouble because I wanted to be an artist rather than work a day job. All of us really have this part. And to me, this is the Venus in Leo within us, right? It reminds me of the strength card, you know, this if you are familiar with the tarot, the strength card um, in the Rider Waite Smith depiction shows this uh, figure who is holding the lion, right? Holding this beast, you know, who who has to work with this part of us that truly, at its core, is untamable, right? It reminds me of Hercules, you know, who in the mythology saved uh, these damsels in distress, you know, by uh, battling the lion who kidnapped them and uh, this lion was immune to weapons and so Hercules had to use their hands right there's a part of us that had to in order to integrate into society in order to become a quote-unquote adult right we had to domesticate this wilder part of us and so when I'm talking about creativity I'm really talking about creativity in sort of its leonine in its fixed fire uh, form, right? It's that part of us that really wants to express life in its rawest um, form, right? It It is the part of us that wants to embody that which inspires us, the part of that, the part of us that wants to embody this fire within, right? This is the flicker of fire within us that we can always sense and see and detect and others can always sense and see and detect and doesn't always need the refinement of skills and techniques in order to radiate outwards, right? So I think it's important to remember first and foremost that creativity is truly interlaced with destruction, right? The idea of being a creative person cannot be divorced from the idea of destroying things, of destroying certain parts of ourselves, right? In order to uh, in order to gain the energy or create the materials from which that creative process can be uh, reconstructed from, right? We glorify creativity in our culture. Some of the most highly paid, the most highly respected individuals in this culture that we're currently living in as modern people are artists, right? And yet, we as a collective, we don't always understand what the creative process entails, right? And I can say that even as someone who identifies as an artist myself and someone who has been part of many artistic processes, many arts adjacent communities, even those in the community don't always understand the creative process. Even those who identify as an artist don't always understand the creative process, right? It takes a long time. Even when we have maps and even when we have wisdom from individuals who write so eloquently about creativity like Julia Cameron or maybe even Elizabeth Gilbert who had some really incredible things to say about art, we still struggle with it because the process of coming into that blank page, 
right, for writers. The process of coming into that blank canvas, the process of figuring out, you know, maybe how to build uh, an offering from the ground up out of thin air is really challenging. And it really confronts us with that part of us that is afraid of experiencing that void, right? Because that void reminds us of death. And so ultimately, creativity truly requires bravery and courage because there are just no guarantees to the process of creation and creating, right? The process of creation is similar in many ways to the process of birthing. There's no way for us to truly know what it is that we are giving birth to. This is why I think parenthood can be truly daunting because there's just no way that you as the parent can know who your child will become. And that sense of, on the one hand, this thing or this entity came from within me, right? And was with me for some time. And on the other hand, I have no idea how this thing is going to behave. I have no idea and I have no control over how this thing is going to develop, right? Um, the, the sense of limitation that we have around the control that we have over our actual or creative children is really scary, right? I am not, I don't have kids, so I can't speak about what it's like to have kids, but I have made artistic bodies of work in my life, and I've definitely cringed at the stuff that I made in the past, right? So I imagine that for those of you who have kids, you've probably also cringed about some aspects of the process, whether that's uh, how your child behaves, <laughs> or maybe uh, how you react to your children, right, at some point in your life. Internally or externally, this cringe part is part of that creative process. It's part of having a thing that is coming from within us, that is of us, be out there in the world with its own spirit, its own soul, its own agenda, right? So let me link all of this back into destruction, to the idea of destruction. As an artist, each time that you make a new body of work, you really have to let go of the identity that you have assembled and that you ultimately held in order to be able to create that body of work, right? From a place that feels convincing, from a place that feels right, from a place that feels authentic. An example that I like to contemplate and consider is uh, the actor Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Some of you may be familiar with his work. In his younger days, he played a lot of characters that exuded this kind of boyish charm, right? Like in Titanic, he was playing this character named Jack, right? Or Romeo in Romeo and Juliet. And so he had to embody this really sincere, um, almost like love drunk lover boy, right? There's something really innocent yet also really deep in his portrayal of these characters. And then much later, he played characters like Jordan Belfort of uh, The Wolf of Wall Street or Hugh Glass of The Reverend, right? Or Revenant, rather. Very, very different characters. I would say that in his later years, he started playing these characters who are either morally ambiguous or are caught in really kind of complex situations or are downright really shady characters themselves, right? And so 
In retrospect, I think we can probably see that in his younger years, in the characters he was playing when he was younger, there was a little bit of that darker undertone, right? Especially thinking about Romeo, you know, that scene after Romeo uh, killed uh, Juliet's cousin, right? Like there was that part of him that was kind of always dark, you know, and was always there. But in order to really pull off the character specifically of like Jordan Belfort of the Wolf of Wall Street, right? He had to literally destroy the persona of Jack and Romeo, right? He had to literally shift his uh, appearance and his way of being. And of course, not all artists and not all art needed to do such an extreme uh, transformation or such an extreme destruction in order for it to do the thing that it wanted to do. But um, whether in small or big ways, creation really comes from that void, right? Creation comes from having destroyed something or having been in nothing for a while. Creation needs to be preceded by some sort of ego death, identity death, perspective death, right? And so with Venus and Leo, one of the things that I'm thinking about is how Leo is one of the brightest constellations in the skies, right? The archetype of Leo is both blessed and cursed with the ability to shine. And so this can be super inspiring for some, super annoying for others, super inspiring when you see it during a certain point in your life and super annoying when you see it in another time of your life, right? So when we're talking about the Leonine inner child, it's the creative inner child that um, that couldn't help but but shine so bright, right? And I, I'm really welcoming you to tune into and to reconnect with and to nurture this part of you this week. This is the part of you that couldn't help but shine bright to the point where maybe they were bullied by others but or they were maybe called names or to the point where the adults around them told them to literally tone it down, right? That you are too much. This is the inner child that uh, learned how to contort and to hide their shine into some sort of distorted version of that light, right? For some of you, this may look like avoiding certain parts of you. For others, this may look like um, being the person that you're not or showing up in the way that truly is not authentic to you, or overriding the part of you that's like, nah, -uh, I'm not going to do that, right? The question is, I think the central question to contemplate is, what are some of the unmet needs of this bright, creative, incredibly powerful inner child? How are you as an adult now, who have experienced all of these things, who have moved through all of these different experiences and maybe cultivated and um, accumulated all of this wisdom, how are you in the present time well primed to fulfill the needs of this creative inner child? What are some of your current limitations when it comes to truly fulfilling the needs of your creative inner child? Something that I've been learning from watching my friends who are parents as well as my own parents right is that every parent in the child in in the world have this desire to fulfill the needs every single needs and every single desires of their child right but this is not something that is realistic 
we all work with limitations, right? And so similarly, when working with this part of your inner child, this creative inner child of yours, you will find that you do have limitations, right? They can't possibly get everything that they wanted. And yet, sitting with really updating your relationship with them and realizing that, hey, there are all these tools now that are available for you at this moment, right? I can help you out in these ways right now. Can be really powerful. As you allow these questions to wash over you, as you give yourself permission to uh, think about, to access the parts of you that we are talking about here, you may be noticing some things really coming up, right? And there may be two reactions to all the things that are coming up here. One may be a sense of um, an animated spiritedness, I would say, or like a passion, right, to kind of go into really doing the work. Like there may be this part of you that's like, hell yes, I'm going to do this work. This sounds so exciting. I'm so totally into this. And there may be also another part of you that is really freaked out, that is really like, I don't want to do this at all, right? And so I just want to first and foremost say that this work is not for the faint of heart, right? If you are, by you choosing to listen to this episode, chances are you listen to this episode because, or you chose to listen to this episode because some part of you is ready to do this work. And if that's the case, then I just want to really express and remind you of how brave you are for choosing to do this work. This is hard work. This is activating work, right? If you feel immediately angry or immediately irritated by these questions, you want to stop listening to me right now. That's okay right? That part of you, that part that's currently kind of coming online and taking up a lot of space, that part of you has been here to protect you. This part of you, you've probably relied on this part of you to help you move through the things that you've been moving through for a while. And this part of you is so, so needed. This protector part of you is so strong. And this part of you has so much wisdom right? This is the part of you that's really powerful. At the same time, I also want to remind you that discomfort is okay, that there's nothing inherently wrong with feeling uncomfortable, with feeling activated, with feeling mad even. If you feel like this part of you almost feels like a monster, that's probably because it is, right? Because literally, you know, I've been I've been also reading about the mythology of monsters. And oftentimes what we call monsters are really the parts of our consciousness, the parts of uh, existence and aliveness in this world, live on this on this plane of, of existence and this dimension that we haven't properly looked at right? So if you've been repressing this part of you for so long, you forgot their potency, you forgot what it is they're wanting to share with you, right? And when that voice comes up, it can feel really foreign, it can feel really scary, and therefore, it feels like a monster, right? That discomfort, 
the unknowing, the anxiety is kind of like that moment. It, it's truly, to me, the thing that alchemizes the whole thing, right? Discomfort is really what helps us get from one state to another. Discomfort is the mother of transformation, right? And so this is reminding me of like that moment when, you know, there's this really wise advice, right? In, in, in the world of working with dreams, which I'm sure some of you have heard that when you get caught in a loop within your dream, maybe facing a monster or something you don't want to do, the best way to get out of it is to literally interrupt the pattern. Right. If you've been running away from the monster, remembering that you are in a dream and that you can turn around and confront the monster, that may result in such a huge shift. Right. Some of you may have heard me tell this story, so I apologize if this is a repetition. But recently I've been really getting into dream work, you know, lucid dreaming and a recurring dream that I've been having for as long as I remember is um being assigned a task to play piano or to play music in general under conditions that are subpar, right? Conditions that are not really uh, comfortable and that I don't really want to be performing under. Usually I'm asked to perform when I haven't been practicing or maybe I don't know the piece or something's wrong with the instrument or the condition or the hall, whatever, right? And for many, many years, literally my pattern is to just go along with the ride. I played anyway. Sometimes the, the end result is really good and other times it just ended in disaster. But I never really, it never even really crossed my mind that I could back down, that I could say no to doing the thing that I never really wanted to do in the first place, right? So recently what I've been doing is I've been interrupting that pattern. Whenever I have this awareness that, hey, I'm actually in a dream, I tell myself to actually quit. I tell the other person or whoever it is asking me to play that I can't or I won't, right? And and I just walk away. And this act of walking away in my dreams have, this has been so massively shifting for me in real life because it's made it really clear to me that sometimes I say yes when I really don't want to do it or when I'm really not available for it, you know? And I think, oh, okay. I can just slot in one more extra hour in my day just because I can, you know, when actually I don't want to. And that's not what I've budgeted for, you know, and it shows me that I do have options, even though it doesn't always feel like it, right? And so similarly, I think the pattern, interrupting the pattern of feeling locked up or of feeling like your creative inner child can't be present in the room, that they can't express their true feelings, right? And really looking at their unmet needs and really fulfilling the needs of that creative inner child as much as possible can be really, really potent, right? If you found that your creative inner child has stopped being creative because it's always been rejected, can you turn and tell that inner child part of you that you now, the adult you, will never abandon them? One of the things that sounds silly, that's part of my practice that I want to share with you, is that the part of the inner child part of me that really fears rejection but wants to do the thing anyway, 
one of the most potent medicines for them is to give them small gifts. This, again, like I said, almost feels ridiculous, but um, if I manage to actually do the thing that my inner child wants to do, or that my creative inner child, I let them express what they have been scared to express for a while, what I do is I give myself a little gift, right? Maybe I let myself take a bath or take a nap or maybe take a little walk or actually cancel an appointment that I never really wanted to do in the first place, right? This has been massive for me. If that creative inner child wanted to belong, wanted to feel like they're a part of something amazing, letting yourself call a friend after you do the thing especially a friend that you know will be happy and will be supportive of the progress you have made, right? Um, the authenticity that you have expressed and that you have embraced in this particular moment. And then really letting yourself feel like you belong in that moment can be so, so powerful. And what's come up for me in doing this and engaging in this practice is that for at least a split second, it's going to feel a little fake. And what I try to remind myself is that, of course, it feels fake because I've been so used to believing in a story that feels invalidating, the story that I don't belong, the story that my voice or my preferences or what my creative inner child wants to express doesn't matter, right? Of course, it feels fake because for a lot of my life, I've been um, literally running the other side of the program, right? I've been running this program that like, um, that I don't matter. And so when I choose to believe that I do matter and I give myself the chance to be in the space where I choose the story that feels empowering, choose a story that feels nourishing to me, of course it feels like pretending because my body has been so trained to move in the other direction. Right. So what I try to remind myself in that moment is that literally everything is a story, right? Everything is literally just a story. That the story around me not belonging is a story, you know, that may have been true at some point, may or may not be true now. The story that I belong is also a story because who knows, right? Maybe I don't belong. Maybe it doesn't matter. I, I don't know, right? But if they're all just stories, then I can choose the one that makes, that helps me the most in this moment, right? That I get to choose the story that feels the most uh, helpful for me in this moment. So I also want to mention that one thing that I think is interesting astrologically about this coming week is that the whole cross of fixed signs is going to be activated this coming week, right? So uh, we have Jupiter and uh, the nodes and Mercury being in Taurus, right? We have the south node being in Scorpio. We have Pluto being in Aquarius, at least still at the, at the beginning of the week. And so um, the fixed signs to me speak, speaks to um, awarenesses of patterns that are not always so easy to shake off, right? They're kind of like the things that we have been working with for a long time and the patterns that we tend to find ourselves continuing to uh, be in a loop with, right? And so um, I just want to say that if 
you are connecting with your creative inner child, right? The part of you that really wants to create and and to express from that place of true authenticity and maybe even true spontaneity, right? And you're finding that there are challenges, activations, difficulties externally or internally. That makes a lot of sense given the energy of the week that we are working with, right? With Taurus activations, there may be um, things coming up around limitations of your resources. And again, resources can do with time, with money, with physical body energy. When we think about scarcity, often we are stuck in thinking about uh, financial scarcity, which is definitely a real thing. But scarcity can totally show up in, in so many other ways, right? In infinite areas of your life. Scarcity comes up when you think that, oh, I don't have the I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy, right? That may be true, but I think really giving yourself space to even feel in your body, what is the difference between me being in my scarcity stories or my scarcity default ways of being versus really coming up against a true limitation, right? Which we do want to honor. Um, to me, it feels really different. To me, when I'm feeling, um, you know, that sense of scarcity around my time, around my resources, around my money, it feels more like running away from doing the work. Like not wanting to actually do the thing, right? Like kind of getting away from the thing that you know that you have always been here to do, you know? Whereas I think when we are coming up against actual boundaries, it, it feels um, it feels clear, like there's a kind of clarity to it. So feel into how that may show up for you. Maybe it may be totally different for you. With Scorpio, I think that all trauma emotionally or wounds may, may come up. They may really stop us in our tracks, right? And something that I will share when it comes to working with the scorpionic part of us, you know, the trauma, the, the wounding that are, that are coming up is to remember that literally you will not have a moment in your life where you don't experience any trauma whatsoever. That for as long as you are alive, you will continue to work with this. This is part of being alive, right? And so it's totally a fallacy to believe that in order for you to be creative, to be expressive, you have to release all of these traumas. You have to be healed of all the trauma. In fact, sometimes the most healing thing you can do is to do the thing first and to see what that does to interrupt the pattern that you've been um, stuck in or that you've been in a loop with for all of your life, right? And then finally, with Aquarius, uh, the fixed air sign, you may notice that social obligations and expectations are really coming up, right? Um, you may find that you are afraid of doing the thing because you are afraid of what other people will think. This may also show up for some reason, this is really coming up for me. So this may be relevant for you. This may really show up as you also feeling like, who am I to do this, right? I don't have the... Um, I don't have the skills necessary or I, I don't have enough experience in order to claim 
this part of, of me, right? This inner creative child part of me. Um, and so I think when that comes up, something that I will again remind you is that sometimes when it comes to social obligations, you have to be the leader here. Of course, if you're making a change, right? People who care about you may have all sorts of opinions and op objections and ideas about how that's going to shift your or also including their reality, right? And so I think it's important that especially if you know that this is something that you clearly want to do to give yourself enough space and enough grace to really just do the thing. And in doing the thing, you will probably find that other people will follow, right? That that you have to be the one leading the way in order for other people to start showing their support. It doesn't work the other way around. Sometimes I think when we are deep in our inner child activations, we feel like we need to get the approval first and then do the thing. When actually this is not true as an adult, 95% of the time. As an adult, we don't need permission. <laughs> some people will come with us, some people won't come with us, and that's just the reality of it, right? And so I think this is not to shame that part of you who really wants the approval and, and who really wants to feel um, like supported by other people, but to remind you that you don't need that. You don't need that. That you can still do the thing even if you don't get that um, approval. Okay, so finally, in order to ground all of the contemplations that I've been sharing uh, down into some practical advice, I decided to pull some tarot cards, and I'm using the White Sage Tarot, which is currently one of my favorite decks because it's so beautiful, it's so gentle, and also it seems to be very talkative to me. Like, it's really has a lot of messages, so I'm, I'm really loving this Um this uh, deck right now. So there are three cards that came through. The first one is the three of wands and then the two of wands and a knight of cups. And to me, the advice here, the direction here is to try something totally new, to almost try something ridiculous, right? What is that ridiculous thing that your inner child has been wanting to do for a while, but maybe has either felt like they don't have the time or they can't be the thing, right? And I think um, what I want you to think about is what are some of the ways that you can do this in a way that still feels safe but also brave, right? There is kind of a um, an intersection in that um, Venn diagram, right, where you can feel safe and yet also really brave, right? What feels like that part of you that is getting outside of the comfort zone, and yet it's not really costing you anything, right? That feels a little risky, but doesn't actually hurt. I think this isn't really the time to do things that feel super Saturnian, that feels like you have to kind of really... Um, root down into like a practice, right? Root down into something that you do kind of on an ongoing basis. I think this is really more about uh, trying something that is, that you haven't allowed yourself to, to try, 
but that perhaps some part of you have always known that you would be kind of good at this, right? So let me give you an example. If, for example, you've been told, you know, and you've been secretly uh, enjoying the fact that whenever people come to your house and you host them, people are always complimenting your food, maybe this week you want to spend a little bit more time really connecting with your creative inner child while you're cooking. Do something that you're actually good at, you know, um, and let yourself kind of marvel at like how good you are at that, you know, because I think specifically when I'm looking at the Knight of Cups, this feels to me like, so So the phrase that's coming up when I look at this particular Knight of Cups, and you can look at the picture as always in the show notes, there's going to be a link there. This Knight of Cups is reminding me that sometimes the best armor you can give yourself is literally a blanket, something cozy, something comfortable, right? Giving yourself space to um, lean into something that feels so nice and so nourishing to you can be the most potent thing for your healing. That I think one of the fallacy that we can come up with in our mental processes when we are trying to be in a, you know, in a, in a process of starting or restarting or meeting ourselves in our healing path is that in order for us to heal, we have to do the most kind of hard thing, right? We have to do the most kind of wild thing when actually the reality is that's not always true. 95% of the time, the most healing thing is the thing that is uh, the most comfortable for you. And so what if that's true? What if you give yourself the space and the chance to do something that feels really good, that makes your creative inner child feel really seen, really able to play, and also really safe at the same time? Okay, so that's it by way of contemplation. I hope this has been helpful for you. I hope that's lighting something up within you. If you would like to process a little bit, feel free to journal after you listen to this. A couple announcements. One is um, if you have been feeling called to do a reading with me, I would love to do a reading for you. Um, I have a bit more space in June and in July and in August, and I'd love to see you. And I've been really enjoying those of you who came to me um, for readings recently because some of the questions that you brought, some of the uh, things that have been really emerging in the reading space um, recently have just been so massively juicy. We have been talking about things that don't really have clear-cut answers. Some of the most complex um, things have been coming up and I've just really enjoyed holding space for that because I can really also feel that, you know, I, I get to be um, in a space of not just holding space for you, but discovering the question alongside you, right? Like we are co-creating the questions and the answers together, not just me kind of being in this oracle space and answering the questions for you. So that's been really, really exciting. And if you've been feel feeling called, I would love to see you for a reading if, um, if, yeah, if that feels right for you in this moment. And also the other thing I want to uh, share is that um, this podcast is one of my favorite offerings, truly, truly. 
I love showing up every single week and I would love your help in helping this podcast find the people with whom it will resonate. Um, and I think the best way to do that really is to either share with anyone you feel would really resonate with this or better yet, leave a review. Truly, it doesn't take a long time. Four to five sentences are plenty, right? And they are so, so helpful in getting um, this podcast out there. I can see with um, each review that you leave for the podcast that you lovingly wrote that maybe took five minutes of your time, it really helps this podcast reach more people. And so if that feels available to you, if that feels right for you, and you would like to leave a review and leave a five-star rating, I would really love to receive that. And it feels like truly such a gift for me to receive your reviews. All right, that is it from me, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your energy and your trust. And I am sending you so much love as you move through the week. And I'm hoping that you will find um, this gorgeous, beautiful reunion with your creative inner child, that you allow that inner child to share their wisdom with you, and that you have fun with them and that you play with them. All right. Thank you so much. And until the next time that we um, gather again, I hope you take good care of yourselves. Thank you.